Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for basis opinions. Today is April 7th, 2022, and this is episode 334. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll get ready to get this baseball season started. We'll also remind ourselves why that sometimes makes us sad. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what is your drink of this week? Uh, Jake, I am uh, going with a fine classic gin and tonic this evening. Um, We've got a little bit of a sickness going through uh, the house right now. And uh, there's nothing better than some juniper berries to uh, wet the whistle and uh, to ward off uh, bad spirits. Scott, it's medicinal. It's medicinal. Absolutely medicinal. There's no question about it. I myself am working my way through a Loose Cannon uh, sampler pack of their IPA set. I'm working my way this evening through a hazy IPA. Um, yummy. And by a Loose Cannon sampler pack, you mean one evening's work. With work, basically, there. Because you're just going to drink and drink and drink through it, right? Well, it's not baseball season yet, so not quite. Uh, gotcha. Well, I figured, you know, since you're watching your son play baseball now, um, and those games have a tendency to go for five or six hours. Um, <laughs> you know. We do have a pace of play issue at 11U. Uh, like I said, 20 seconds or less to pitch that ball. <laughs> if you're interested in seeing what we're drinking on a daily, weekly, or nightly basis, come join us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. Uh, and I'm at MAGN8606. Uh, and with that, let's go to this week on the Twitters. Um, Jake, why don't you kick us off? Sure. We're going to start with a tweet that makes me feel seen in so many ways. This comes from Olivia Witherite, and she tweets as follows First place O's. Let's go with a picture of the ALE standings, which, of course, have your BAL to more Orioles right up top. My favorite part, Scott, my favorite part of the season is the first day when the Orioles stand atop the standings. Yeah, I mean, we still have the chance to go wire to wire. We do. It's it's true. Um, so there's been a lot of talk this offseason and people have gotten really excited over the left field wall. Um, so oh, has that has that been a thing? It's been a thing. Um, huh. Even to the point where every single time something, some slight modification or even padding has been added to the wall, it immediately set off a firestorm of comments, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or I can't even remember what the Donald Trump social media is because obviously it's crashed and burned at this point. Um, but Mike Petrilio, uh came in on this uh, as of last week. Uh, doing an analysis indicating the following. So the Orioles are making left field and community yards deeper. How many home runs is this going to take off the board? Uh, a lot. Uh, on how many and who will help and uh, going forward? And it was a really interesting chart that Mike posted as well, uh, down a little bit past this original post. And you can check it out on birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Um, but it basically just covers the aspect of opponents' home runs lost, um, Orioles' home runs lost, um, and just taking a look at this, the differences that's going to be, um, like I said, it's really interesting, even on the aspect of just how much it's going to potentially impact the Yankees, um, who are probably potentially going to suffer the most here with this change. Are you telling me that it's interesting to see somebody think about what this was going to be rather than just emoting at it? Um, I, I think there's some people emoting at it, but I think there's a lot of folks in the comment section that are um, thinking it's going to be a lot worse and it's going to cause... Uh, a lot of deathly injuries um, to those in left field. Frankly, folks, we've got DJ Stewart. He needs no help from a wall. 
to have deathly injuries occur to him uh, with a ball hitting on his head. All right. Uh, next tweet uh, comes from the Orioles. Um, yeah, this is a, a, a personal favorite of uh, of yours, Jake. And the Orioles posted, happy 30th anniversary, Birdland. Drop your favorite memories from the yard and, and share, show some love. This is great. This is exactly the kind of, you know, community basis that we want to see. Um, and then you scroll through the comments uh, and you find out that everybody in Baltimore was at the 2130 and 2131 game um, and was pretty much in premium seats in the, in, in the lower deck, too, and even got to slap Cowrookin's hand um, as he circled the diamond. It's incredible that 3.1 million people were there that night. It's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, that's the Baltimore metropolitan area, not just the Baltimore population, correct? That's right. Okay, I just right. wanted to confirm that information. Why don't you finish this out? Our next tweet comes to us from Adam Jones, simply AJ10. I know and that he guy. Tweets, he tweets as follows, I swear I need some of this at the Sav Bananas. You all are awesome. And it's a uh, it's a quote tweet of some nonsense from the Savannah Bananas. And I got to tell you, I am all in on the Savannah Bananas socials. I really, really enjoy this. This is this is basically the Globetrotters of baseball, right? This is That's definitely what this is. the Globetrotters of baseball. This is one of those ones where, you know, if our kids were just a little bit older, this would be like a fun experience just to go and see like for a night. Um, even the aspect of like there's one of the house rules that basically if someone in the crowd catches a fly ball in the stands, the person at bat is out. Um, and just all kinds of weirds and wacky standpoint. But yes, just stuff that is just great uh, to kind of make fun of the game a little bit, but still, you know, enjoy the the allure and the spirit of it. So uh, for people that say that baseball is no fun, this is baseball that is fun to the extreme. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if you're looking for an excuse to go, Savannah's a cool town. Savannah is a cool town. But yes, uh, the Savannah Bananas uh, definitely are not going to get any, um, you know, smiles or or smirks from Rob Manfred. Uh, this is no. this is not within the pace of play and or the spirit of the game. You, you're telling me that you don't you're not confident that some of these rule changes for the Savannah Bananas are going to make their way to the majors. Um, these are not being tried. This is not a trial balloon for Major League Baseball. I think the only chance that they get to Major League Baseball if it's in the year 2100. But the thing is, Scotty, is that I could see Ghost Runners being a thing. I, I I think if the Savannah Bananas wanted to do Ghost Runners, I think it would be they get to extra innings and then someone literally has to put a sheet on, go out to second <laughs> base and run home with a sheet over their head. While the Scooby-Doo music plays. Absolutely. All right. Um, I think that kind of ties up the the this week on the Twitters. Um, you know, we there are some things that we probably need to talk about in terms of injuries and folks that are, you know, you know, healing up even though the season hasn't started. So let's dabble over to the medical wing really quickly and uh and cover over some injuries there. Time for your checkup, time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. All right, so I think we all are familiar and we all know that Adley Rutschman is, you know, in this whole standpoint of day-to-day. He's not going to be ready for opening day, both in terms of the Major League roster, the Minor League roster. Um, 
Jake, how how concerned about this aspect where he still doesn't seem to be kind of in full baseball activity mode at this moment? I, I go back and forth. Uh, it's you know it's like the wind. Sometimes I'm I'm pretty confident that it's no big deal. Sometimes I'm pretty confident that he might not live to see another day. It. it I thought it, you were going to say like I'm in the fetal position to my left side and then I'm in the fetal position to my right side and I just keep going back and forth, back and forth. Um, I, I can't tell. I, I honestly I can't tell. And and really I feel like if it was awful, they wouldn't tell us. I, I agree that they wouldn't tell us because um, that's classic Orioles baseball. Um, just seems odd. Like, just seems odd. Like, you would think that he'd be, you know, starting to build up strength. I think if he's not in and doing some simulated games by, we'll call it the end of next week, I think we need to start raising our eyebrows is the best way to put it. Um, you know, Elias came out with a comment today saying, you know, he was inside track to basically make the major league roster. Um, and then he's going to basically get to the majors as soon as, you know, it is, is physically possible, basically. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's just I want to see him in minor league games um, because obviously he's going to need to kind of, you know, work up to it. Um, but I want to see him in minor league games as soon as possible. And it's just a question of when that's going to happen. And I hope it's in the next, you know, one to two weeks um, is, is my hope. <laughs> Here's hoping. I got to be honest, outside of Adley Rutschman, which is a major loss, the Orioles are pretty healthy coming into the start of the season. I mean, as excited as you can get about the current 28-man roster, uh, there isn't much missing. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a little bit of a scare with the Jorge Mateo, you know, hand injury. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, that turned out to be, it looks like nothing. It looks like it was precautionaries. There was some interesting scenarios with, I think, Kyle Stowers getting hit uh, and basically removed from a Norfolk Tides game. I think folks are kind of watching for him as well as a potential call-up um, early this spring. Um, but again, I think it's just, like I said, nothing dramatic has happened, knock on wood, yet. Um, but again, the Adley Rutschman standpoint is just just disappointing, is the best way to put it. And um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, looking at what all the other Major League Baseball teams were doing, I kind of believe Elias that Adley was probably going to make the team. And I even think if we look at the, we'll call it the catching staff that they brought in, um, I, I think it made a ton of sense that Adley was going to make the, the 28-man roster. Um, but it wasn't meant to be. I'd like to believe you. I'd like to believe him. And believe but what me. I, what I will say is that it's it's pretty easy to make that assertion now, right? It costs him nothing to say that in retrospect. It, it does. It's 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 certainly easy to say it now, but um, I don't know. He's got that boyish charm that I'm I'm willing to believe him. Is the best. Hey, I want to it. believe. Right. All right. Well, with that, um, let's go ahead and stretch out. Um, we are in the best shape of our lives coming out of spring training. Um, and let's go around the bases and uh, get ready for the 2022 season. Alrighty, let's do it. Let's go around the bases. And Scott Magnus, I think we can go no further without acknowledging the major trade that rocked Birdland this past week. Which was that? Well, I, some something happened, and people yelled, and they were angry on the the internet. 
Oh, oh, oh! You're talking about the uh, the Tanner Scott trade um, and the Cole Sulcer trade. I'm sorry, Cole Sulcer Senior trade uh, <laughs> to to Miami um, for you know a 17 year old prospect, a 25 year old um, pitcher, um, and then we're, we're we're talking about what a 70th uh, a 70th pick, uh, so a compensatory pick in round B. Um, why are we upset about this again? Because the Orioles did a thing, Scott. We have to be fired up about it. We have to have extreme emotions one way or the other that we either live and die by this team's decisions or we are going to crap on all. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, no, I, I do not care even a little bit about this. Uh, it's disappointing that, that, uh, Tanner Scott's arm did not develop into more of a dominant back-end bullpen uh, presence the way that we had expected it when we saw him come up. And I refuse to spend any kind of, of emotional um, uh, currency on Cole Salser. Those guys are no longer on the team. That's not going to take them from 100 to 150 losses. Um, and, you know, they got a lottery ticket out of the deal, which is probably as as good as they could hope. I would also say that that probably created some room on the 40-man roster um, to get some some flexible arms that they're going to need because of the way the roster is structured. Okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I think, you know, people are looking at the situation of they're looking at Cole Salser, who, again, I'm, I was never a huge Salser fan, um, but they are looking at the basis of he did pick, pitch over 60 innings out of the bullpen last year. He did have an under three FIP out of bullpen, 2.98. Was good for a 1.5 F war. So the third best pitcher in all of the Baltimore Orioles, which again is not tough. Valedictorian in summer school. Right. And even Tanner Scott, you know, with the inconsistencies that he has in terms of command, still had an 11.67 K rate um, and a 6.17 walk rate. Um, and, and again, still posted 54 innings. So I think folks are looking at this and saying, Okay, um, if you're trading away, we'll call it a little over, you know, 115, 120 innings pitched. Um, who's going to fill that role is the best way to put it. And I think that's the concern, uh, specifically because last year it was literally how do we fill the amount of innings that we need to fill um, going forward? So I think folks are more just concerned about the aspect of who fills in the gap when there doesn't really seem to be anybody currently on the 28-man roster that gives you the, that kind of confidence. We've overlooked something very serious. Okay. Antonio Velez is the left-handed pitcher. Kevin Guerrero is the 17-year-old outfielder. You mentioned the competitive uh, balance round B. We have not yet managed to mention the player to be named later. That's true. And the the we, infamous Chad Bradford player to be named we, later. We've got to go talk to Rock because I think it might be Chad Bradford. Yeah. I think that's who's coming back. Uh, I mean, if it's from the Marlins, I mean, I know the Yankees just designated for assignment Derek Jeter. I think he'd be a great fit for the Baltimore Orioles. We'll, we'll have to see what we get for that player to be named later. No, I I, I think that the, the trade is a, a big whoop, who cares type of situation. Um Further on down in the discussion of the roster, I, I'm curious, how big a deal do you think that the, the um, increase from 26 to 28 men uh, for the roster 
was for the Orioles? Do you think that that saved them from some difficult uh, decisions, or do you think that they just get to bring extra extra people? I think they got to bring extra people. I mean, 14 pitchers and 14 position players. I mean, I can't think of a time where the Orioles have ever ca- carried 14 position players. So, I mean, I, I think they are definitely – um, carrying a few additional position players that they probably should not have on the 28-man roster. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what that means. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that once that goes back to 26, you, you know, you've got some guys that are in trouble. And hopefully by then they, they know what they need to do. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I come back to a comment that, you know, Showalter used to make all the time, which is, it's not even a situation of like um, people are performing or not. It's going to be also a question of like who is injured and who is not injured. Um, and it has a tendency to work itself out is the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the 2028 man roster that broke camp. Uh, any big surprises for you? Um, you know, nothing too surprising to me. Um, I, I, think there was a lot of intrigue in spring training specifically about the performances that we were seeing out of Yusniel Diaz and um, also from Richie Martin, um, which is really weird. I mean, we, we were talking about this at the end of last year, those two players, and I had basically written both off is the best way to put us like, like they're never going to do anything. We might as well just move on from them. Um, and again, small sample size in spring training and everything. Um, but, I mean, I don't think there's anything of a, a big surprise in terms of anybody who, who truly made it. Um, I think it just comes back to that point that we were just making in terms of the 28-man roster and 26-man roster, which is when you look at, you know, players like Rugden Dador, um, you know, I, I think that if it was a 26-man roster, um, I think the Orioles probably would not have included him in the uh, on the 28-man roster. It's interesting for him, like, you would have thought that the Orioles would have basically just said, we're going to cut you and save the money that we were going to spend on you. But it's interesting. They said, yep, we're willing to commit the full you know, season sum to you. Um, I don't know. Adore is a really interesting one to me. I don't really understand what the Orioles strategy is behind him. Yeah, no, I was surprised that he made the team. I don't know. It, it, I can see it both ways because I can see the Orioles uh, with their, you know, MO over the last couple of seasons to either be to cut them to save the money or to take an, player who's likely to underperform and just hand him the keys to a starting position to start the season in the hopes that he'll be somewhat close to what he was five years ago. Yeah. I just don't see him as trade value. And like we've, we've tried that with other players from a trade value standpoint. So we'll see, but like I said, nothing that was like shocking is the best way to put it. Um, more just the aspect of it was kind of common practice and there was no surprise additions to the uh, opening day roster that you made you be like, Oh, wow. Like, it's great that he's getting his shot finally. Um, it's the best way to put it. I'm super excited that Anthony Van Boom made the team just because I think that's one of the better names uh, for the club over the last couple of years. I'm excited to see what the Baltimoreans will do with Ben Boom. Um, Excuse I me? Also, what's that? Can you say that one more time? I'm curious to see what the Baltimoreans will do with Ben Boom. Is that like a Jungle Book character? It, it must be. Okay. It must be. He's a, he's the backup catcher at least until uh, Adley Rutschman gets up here. You know what he says to Adley Rutschman, right? What does he say? I want to walk like you, talk oh, like you. Oh man! Boom! <laughs> I walked right into it. I walked right into it. I I also refuse to believe that Brian Baker is a real person and not somebody that the the Orioles made up. Okay, so I feel really good that you're saying this because honestly, no idea. 
And, and you know, I've, I've said this before about other like players too, like um, in the past, even like decent players. Uh, and I'm like, I, I, I don't recognize that person, whatever. Um, so I do think Brian Baker is a made up individual. Um, we actually have a friend. Um, we actually have two friends that are bakers is the best way to put it. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming this is just their distant cousin is the best way to put it. Um, we should confirm that. Um, but yeah, big dude, six foot six at two forty five. Um, not quite uh, Felix Batista. Um, and I don't know how Felix Batista is only listed at six foot five. The dude looks like an absolute monster on the mound as a relief pitcher. So the real question when it comes to the roster is when will we see the future? Yep. Right. We've talked about Adley Rutschman, you know, assuming that his arm doesn't fall off, we're going to see him at some point and hopefully, you know, sooner than later. But what do you think about the rest of the season when it comes to, um, you know, some of these names that we've been tracking in the minors for for a considerable period of time? Uh, when do you think we start seeing some of the kids we've been waiting for? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think we're going to see Kyle Bradish extremely soon. Um, I, I think we'll he's probably going to be one of the first call ups, honestly, is Kyle Bradish. Um, so again, are you implying that the pitching is going to falter and we're going to need arms from the minors? Scott Magnus, how dare you be so negative? I also think it's time for Kyle Bradish. It's the standpoint of like, he's at the AAA level. He was pitching, you know, really well in 2020, Um, you know, he showed pretty decent stuff in spring training. Uh, I think it's to the point where he's got to basically come up. Um, and I think the, you know, it comes to the fact that, you know, some folks have been really um, not not very fond of Elias's comments, specifically on folks like Dean Kramer, Keegan Aiken, essence saying that they need to step up. But I feel like that's an accurate statement of there are folks waiting um, in AAA um, in terms of folks like Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, even a DL Hall um, was mentioned by Michael Elias of potentially coming to Baltimore this year which is a little surprising based off the innings limit um, that he has seen. Um, but, I mean, I, I think the first one I'm expecting to see is Kyle Bradish, and I'm expecting to see him, I would say, in the first two to three weeks of the season, honestly. What do you make of Elias's comments? Do you think that he's trying to send a message to get, you know, this this first wave of, of pitchers, you know, the Akins, the Kramers, uh, you know, trying to get their attention and, and tell them that this is, you know, their last chance or do you think that he really believes that those guys have underperformed and it's time to move on i don't even think it's a situation where it's like under i, I mean it's somewhat underperforming i think he was hoping that they would turn into back-end starters is the best way to put it and we talked about that last year which was like there wasn't any significant development by one of those individuals to become a back-end starter um so i think it's a little bit of an ultimatum of like Either you prove it now that you can be a back-end starter or you're going to become turned into a relief pitcher. It's as simple as that. Like, if you can't do it, we're going to turn you into a relief pitcher um, and, and try to make you into a Tommy Hunter, um, you know, make you into, you know, a, a Zach Burton-esque type arm. Um, and I'm not sure if any of those players are going to be that good is the best way to put it. But I think that's just the next progression as it relates to their career. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for um, the possibility that some of these guys that have faltered can be useful at some point at you know at the majors. You know, obviously we have slots in the in the bullpen uh, where they can be useful, and I'm also hopeful that some of these arms that we see just over the horizon, you know, might actually stick. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be really intriguing to see um, how the Orioles, you know, start to build out their, their their rotation. Like I said, I think Elias kind of mentioned this, that by the end of the year in this August-September time frame, we should have a really good understanding of, you know, going into 2023, what the rotation is going to look like. Um, so, yes, it's a little bit anticlimactic right now for, we'll call it April and May. Um but the back half of the year could be extremely interesting in terms of getting a visual cue of what the organization needs to do going forward. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and uh, round first and head into second base. I want to talk about some things that the Orioles are actually getting right. And believe it or not, there is a lot. OK, I want to talk a little bit about the Orioles uh, ticketing that they've worked out for this first week of the season. That week, uh, the 12th through the 17th of April, uh, the Orioles are doing throwback pricing to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the ballpark. And the throwback pricing is on just about every type of ticket in the ballpark, the cheapest of which will be all the way down to $4. It is really tough to say that the Orioles are not trying to get people in the park that first week. Yeah, I mean, they are going to do everything in their power. And I guess part of it is just, you know, cold weather, um, you know, school nights, but also just, you know, opponents that are not really interesting. You know, the Milwaukee Brewers is not something that is going to draw a lot of folks into the stands as well. Um, But yeah, I I love this idea. I love the the standpoint of the reduced pricing for um, both the tickets and the hot dogs. Um, You know, I think it's it's a smart giveaway is the best way to put it, just just to try to get some people talking um, about it um, going forward, I, I think it's a great thing. I honestly, I think they should uh, roll back the pricing in 1992 until they start winning again. But let me ask you this: they're I, they're practically giving away. Are you serious about that? By the way, like that they should roll back the pricing back to like 1992 until they start winning again? Because I no. hear people say that all the time. No, and it, and it really bothers me when people say this this kind of stuff. No, no, that's that's me just acting out. Okay, I just want to make sure you're just acting out because like <laughs> I hear people say that of like. On, on Facebook all the time of like, hey, um, you know, that's the pricing it should be until they start winning again. And it's just like, that's not the way, you know, any business operates is the best way to put it. So, well, you know, uh, OK, I'm glad you said this because I, I started thinking about this and I have a question I want to get back to, but okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive down there. I, I don't want to go to welcome deep. to Bird's Eye View 2022. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that right there for another tangent. Yeah, um, I don't want to go too down do too far down the, the Baltimoreans territory here. But I started thinking about the equity yep. of of uh, buying baseball tickets. Yep. And I thought about, OK, four dollars versus, you know, the cheapest seat right now is eleven dollars if, if you buy uh, the, the left field upper reserve. In 1992, a dollar had the same the equivalent purchasing power of two dollars and two cents today. OK. Right. So it would be easy to say, well, you know, with inflation and everything else, uh, the, the Orioles are ripping people off because the cheapest seat in the ballpark should be eight dollars and eight cents right the math checks out i, I did it twice I had my kid help me right but something to consider uh the maryland minimum wage in 1992 was four dollars and 25 cents and it is now in maryland twelve dollars and fifty cents which means that the cheapest ticket in 1992 four dollars consumed 94 percent of uh, a minimum wage right for an hour's worth of work yep and the cheapest seat in 2022 at $11 consumes 
88% of an hour's worth of minimum wage. So it there is a way, whether it's, you know, whether it's worthwhile or not, but there is a way to look at this and say, no, you know, the $11 seat is no worse than it was when the ballpark opened. Right. That is, um, that is math that I would not have expected Jake English to do. So, um, I came in prepared. Yeah. Scott, I also came in prepared to ask you this. Okay. Do you think somebody from Costco was involved in the $1.75 hot dog deal? Absolutely not. No question. Delaware North would not go to Costco. They would not buy such high-quality material, um, is the best <laughs> way to put it. So, uh, no, there's no chance. I would I would kill for a $1.75 Costco hot dog at Camden Yards. Kill. All right, let me go back for the question I was going to ask. Okay. Throwback pricing. Yep. The Orioles are actually getting something right. Yep. There's no way that they become even close to selling out any of those games, right? None. Well, maybe the Yankees game. Yeah, but not the way we want to. Not the way you want to. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, like, um, we are, what, four days now away from opening day, and the Orioles are still posting on all media platforms that opening day tickets are still available. Not great. Not great at all. Yeah, not great, Bob. All right, uh, here's another thing the Orioles are actually getting right. I said that the cheapest seat in the house was $11. Oh, not so, my friend, not so. Sure, you can buy a $11 seat in left field upper reserve, but all season, $10 bleacher seats Monday through Thursday. Yeah. So excluding the weekend, okay, I get that. During the week, you can go and buy a $10 seat in in the outfield, in the in the bleachers. I don't know why someone wouldn't go and sit in the bleachers um, instead of sitting in left field upper reserve. Like, the bleacher seats are so much better than left field upper reserve. So, I don't know. Like, at, at some point, like, do you just start covering off left field upper reserve for the time being? No. You don't think nope. so? No, I'd rather see it empty. Okay. But th- that's a good thing, right? That's that's the. Can we Orioles put solar panels out there? Right? What's that? Can we put like solar panels out there or something? Yeah, we, we probably should. Probably should let the city worry about that. It's the uh, it's the housing. You know, uh, if we're so concerned about left field home runs, we could put up some like wind farms out there and like literally push the ball back onto the field. Well, well, we have to put wind farms out there since the uh, the Hilton was built. Absolutely, it's true. All right, Scotty, I'm excited about this one. The Orioles are actually getting something right. You and I have whined about this forever. The outside food and beverage policy has come back. Woo! That's awesome. That's that's I, that's probably the best change over the entire offseason for the Baltimore Orioles. I got to be honest. I thought it was gone. I thought they were going to use COVID as an excuse to eliminate that and it'd be gone. You know, after a while, people would just forget that it ever existed. Uh, I guarantee you this is what happened. Um, so, uh, everyone that listens to bird's eye view knows that me and Jake are uh, notorious letter writers. And, uh, <laughs> what I believe happened was that we finally got to the point where the filing cabinet, where our letters are stored, finally bursted open and someone said, what is all this stuff? And they read one of our letters and they said, Hey, um, we need to do something about this, but you're absolutely right, Jake. Like this was the right move. This is what the team needs to be doing. 
Um, it makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, families coming back into the ballpark to basically do this policy. But again, the policy is going to be, just as a reminder, everyone, because it is slightly different than the last time it was in effect, is you can bring in a, the food that you want. It has to fit into one gallon-sized plastic containers, uh, like a plastic bag, just like if you're walking through the airport. So just like you're doing a 311, um, you've got to basically be able to put it into those plastic you know, gallon bags um, and be able to check it through. So if you're big buying a Wawa sub, make sure you're getting it cut halfway and then putting it into that into that gallon bag. And that is per person. So if you're bringing two people to the ballpark, you can bring two gallons in. So just be cognizant and aware of that before you come into the stadium um, so that you're not getting stopped. And then, of course, any beverages you're bringing in has to be plastic, has to be sealed. Um, don't get don't be opening up before you enter into the stadium. But this is awesome. This is great. This is exactly what the Orioles needed to do. Um, glad to see it. It's hard to say that they're not doing things to make it easier to come into the ballpark. I get the fact that watching losing baseball sucks. I get the fact that people are frustrated. I get the fact that that people's patience is running out with the rebuild process. But from a business standpoint, you can't say that they're not making moves uh, to make it a little bit more palatable. I tell you what, I said this last year when we were with, with our kids. It was the standpoint of, you know, looking at the bill um, that we were accomplishing. I was just like, it's like a good 20 to $30 for them to basically go and get like food at the ballpark. And again, we're well within our means is the best way to put it. So it's not that much of an issue for us. But if we're looking to enticed families to come back into Baltimore City and into the ballpark, this is an additional step that helps out in regards to, um, you know, individuals that are in that typical middle income tax bracket is the best way to put it. Anything else going on with the Orioles as far as making the right moves? Yeah, the only other one I wanted to cover was there are some pictures that came out this week indicating that, um, you know, through the recent uh, collective bargaining agreement, but also the agreement they've made with minor league baseball, that teams were going to offer housing to uh, minor league baseball players going forward. Some of those pictures came out from the Baltimore Orioles and, you know, some nice looking, we'll call it studio apartments were offered to the players that would both house them and their families as well. Um, this is something that we've been talking about for a long time, for many years. Um, I'm glad to see the Orioles making the proper investment to take away on a necessary headache and burden, um, from minor league baseball players. So I'll be interested to see how this continues on. Um, but it was great to see the Orioles being highlighted in that, um, in the first week of or so of it actually getting kicked off. Absolutely. All right, well, we've uh, rounded second. Scott, take us into third. Yeah, so the Orioles are still making some questionable moves as well. Um, so there was a information that has come out today indicating that the Orioles are very close to signing Matt Harvey to a free agent deal under a minor league contract. Now, obviously, he's going to have to build I'm sorry, did I just go back in time? You did just go back in time, um, and you're not talking to Matt Taylor. Um, but, uh yeah. Matt Harvey, um, potentially going to be signing with the Baltimore Orioles once again. On purpose. Um, on purpose. So, I mean, even if you don't like the aspect of, like, Matt Harvey from, like, what he was able to do last year. And, yes, he did have a bunch of innings, um, you know, last season. He didn't go deep into games, as Jake continuously pointed out last year, where I think he averaged, I think, four and two-thirds of an inning um, in all of his starts. Um 
a lot of bad information came out about Matt Harvey um, this this offseason in terms of um, him offering um, opioids to, to Tyler Scraggs and stuff like that when he was part of the Angels. I, I just don't understand the move by the Baltimore Orioles. Like, I understand it's a body, it's an arm, it's an arm that you're familiar with. But I wouldn't have touched Matt Harvey with a 100-foot pole um, after what came out this offseason. Um, I, I just I don't like it whatsoever. It's interesting to me because if Matt Harvey were a good, useful baseball player, it would be easy to say, I understand why they're making this move, yeah. right? The business uh, overcomes... The, the personal. Okay, I understand. I don't understand because, as you articulated, Matt Harvey was not a good, useful ball player last year. Right. And we have no reason to believe that he's going to be a good, useful ball player this year. I, I saw some I saw some ink spilled about his velocity being up. But again, That's... He, he couldn't get out of the fourth inning for most of last season. And this team needs innings. It is infuriating to me that the Orioles would make a high profile signing that has the possibility of bringing them negative press instead of a, a ho-hum yawn of a minor league signing of a pitcher that might actually be able to give them innings. Even if it's somebody that's going to have a four or five plus ERA even if it's somebody that's not going to be with the team the whole season, if you need innings, there are less costly ways to do it from a PR standpoint. It's also really weird too. Cause like he's facing a 60 game suspension, like right out the gate. And if you're on a 60 game suspension, it's not like you can actually work out at the facility. So like if you're trying to build up arm strength, you're trying to get back into the field and then you're going to be out for 60 games. I, I just doesn't, I don't get it. Like, I, I just don't, I, I can't connect the dots is the best way to describe it. Like, I just don't understand why it makes sense for the Orioles to do this. Um, it just, I don't know, it just sours me. And like I said, you know, I understand that this was a while back with Matt Harvey and stuff like that. And, you know, it, this whole moral dilemma that constantly, you know, struggles with me internally in terms of like players and how I judge them. I mean, I look at the situation with Albert Pujols, you know, going back to the Cardinals, um, you know, seeing him getting standing ovation today at St. Louis for the first time in 10 or 11 years. And then I'm reminded that he just divorced his wife after she had brain surgery. And I'm like, I like the nostalgia factor, but at the same time, I don't like everything else that has surrounded him recently. And even the aspect of like the lemming that I am like today <sighs> that like Tiger Woods teeing off at the Masters. I'm like, I want to watch Tiger tee off at the Masters. And I'm like, but Tiger's not a good guy. Like, you know, I've seen enough and heard enough stories at this point to be like, Tiger's not a good, no good guy. So why am I pulling up a video and wanting to see Tiger, you know, tee off at the Masters? So it's just, it's really frustrating to me. And I think, like you said, I think it's one of those situations where, you know, for me, Matt Harvey doesn't hit the sweet spot for me in terms of being aware of the physical talent or at least the memorable talent. Uh, and then it's those, the, the societal basis, too, that makes me really cringe as well. Um, that makes this a, a double whammy for me. I just think about, and obviously it's not the same situation, and please don't think I'm I'm equating the two, but it was kind of a big deal when the Orioles signed Nelson Cruz, yep. right? Because there was there was performance enhancement baggage associated with him. And and I was surprised at the 
support that he got from the clubhouse. I yep. was surprised that the Orioles brought him in, but there was talent there. There, there was, was a reason there was why talent they were willing there, to deal with that. But I remember talking about that. And I mentioned, remember talking about that when he was going through his press conference of it was very strategic where Showalter brought in certain big clubhouse veterans to be there at the press conference to almost say, like, we're OK with this. Like, we understand what happened. We're OK with this. We're going to move forward with this. Um, and I think that kind of. To a certain regard, assuage the fans a little bit. Is the best was like, well, if Buck is okay with it, and the players are okay with it, then I'm going to be okay with it too. I don't know. The Matt Harvey thing just still bothers me. Is the best way to put it. Um, and we'll what just, else is grinding your gears? DJ Stewart being on the 28 man roster still bothers me. Like I still look at that and I look at the outfield rotation as it is of Hayes, Mateo, McKenna, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, and then DJ Stewart, and I'm like. I understand Mateo's probably not going to play the outfield that often, but like, I don't understand DJ Stewart being there whatsoever. Like, I, I, I don't understand it. I think he's, I think he's gone once it goes down to 26. I, I agree, but it's the standpoint of like, why not just get rid of him now and carry an extra pitcher? Like, I don't understand. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I mean, it's not like you're going to increase his trade value anymore. Um, I, I just don't understand it. Well, Scott, I mean, we we saw this, right? We saw this with Chris Davis. When you commit so much money to a player like DJ Stewart and you were just saddled with that kind of albatross of a contract, you have to continue having him underperform because that's just the way things are. And, you know, we're, we're going to have to do it with DJ Stewart. That is a great point. Um but yeah. Actually, if you if you look at whatever percentage he's making up of our of our uh, yearly commitment, it's probably sad. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I understand the standpoint of like if I look at someone even like a Richie Martin or the Usniel Diaz standpoint I was talking about earlier, who had a great spring training. I think the Orioles are like we want to get them constant at bats, and we're not sure the person that's twenty eighth on the roster is going to get constant at bats. I just he's, don't. He's just there as a speedy replacement in the late innings. We'll, 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 he's a mascot, is the best way to put it. <laughs> I, I, he's gonna he's gonna dance in the dugouts in the seventh inning. I just it just really bothers me. I'm sorry, folks. Like I, it shouldn't bother me as much as it does, but DJ Stewart just really grinds my gears, and it he has always grinded my gears ever since we drafted him. And again, I remember the night that he got drafted, and me seeing him, and me seeing like how how much the Orioles reached to get him watching his batting stance and being like, what a stupid freaking move. Like what a dumb move to get this guy. Um, he's not quite Matt Hopgood, but he, yeah. 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 I just, I don't know. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm rarely right about minor league baseball players, but that one I knew right away. I was just like, this is not going to be a good, good situation. Um, I, I know we haven't talked much the off season, so I've got to kind of bring up this last additional gripe of like the lack of any free agent spending is really bothersome. Like, and I know people have talked about this, including, you know, our favorite Buster Olney. Um, and I understand the Orioles are wanting to be cash conservative at this moment, but man, like you got to spend some time, right? Like, and I'm not even asking you to spend like a lot of money, but like, we couldn't get to like where the Royals are at. I think the Royals are at, like 80 million. Like we can't get to like in that 60 to $80 million range. So 
I don't know. That still kind of bothers me that we weren't willing to basically put a little more additional money out there. Like I said, I don't want to go to 130 to 150 million like I think the team needs to be at. But I wish we'd have taken a little bit of a step forward this year. <laughs> no, I agree. And, you know, last year I was I was singing the song that we we needed to be OK with the fact that we weren't going to spend money to take the team from 55 wins to 70 wins. That that doesn't really you know mean much. And and I meant it then. And I, I still see the the uh, logic there. But you can only do that to the fan base for so long. And, you know, here we are. 2018 is certainly not Elias's fault, but all it costs you is money. And I get it. It's not my money, so it's easy to say, but all it costs you is a little bit of money to go out for a couple of one year, maybe a two year uh, contract in a, in a couple of key positions to make it easier for some of the kids to come up and not have all the pressure be on them and it be, you know, sink or swim and to make the team a little bit more palatable so that you don't have to resort to $4 tickets. Yeah. I don't know. Like, and I understand that basis of like, Hey, we don't want to do it right now. There wasn't anybody that kind of came through. I don't know. It just bothers me. Like they, we couldn't sign one, you know, decent person to a multi-year contract. Um, I don't know. Just, it irked me is the best way to put it. Um, and like I said, I'm not asking for them to go to the moon and, and be able to compete on a, on a salary basis with the Rays or even the Blue Jays at this moment. But I would have thought that maybe spending 20 or $30 million this offseason would have been in line, is the best way to put it. And that's not to say Carlos Correa. I think that was a fun little game that we all played. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just wish they would have spent a little bit more money. That's all. Hmm. It's interesting you said multiple years because I... I I thought this was going in a different direction. See, I think it would be very difficult for the Orioles to get players on, get a player even on a multi-year deal if they didn't go to them and say like, "You're our first. We're going all in. Like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna spend all the chips." Because otherwise, that person's out here by themselves, you know, playing with DJ Stewart. Um, but you know, whereas I don't want to go back to you know, going through 10 years or 15 years of giving one year contracts to the like of Derek Lee and Jay Payton and all those guys right now, you know, the equivalents of those guys are probably better than some of the people on our roster. Right. And so, you know, I think it would be, it would be okay to, to say, you know, who's this year's Michael Franco or Hanser Alberto or, you know, Jonathan VR to make the club more interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And like I said, um, We'll just have to see what transpires um, over the next, you know, off season. But again, I just felt like maybe a few missed opportunities this this off season. Um, and you know, I completely agree with what you're coming out with, Jake. I mean, uh, it's going to be tough for a player to sign to a multi year deal, but like the Orioles almost have to basically say like we're going to offer you a multi year deal with a player option in that second year. That if you don't like what we're doing by the end of the year, you can walk, um, or you can come back and renegotiate with us. Is the best way to put mm-hmm. it. Gotcha. All right. Well, Scotty, take us home. Yeah. So, you know, home plate, um, you know, we here at Bird's Eye View are notorious uh, right before the season starts of making absolutely horrible predictions. Uh, So, Jake, uh, I thought it would be fun if we came up with three absolutely horrible, horrific predictions that are impossible to occur. Um, So I'll start on my side uh, in terms of what I think is going to occur. Um, So I think, you know, from my predictions – 
that Felix Batista at some point this season is going to basically become the closer for the Baltimore Orioles. That's my prediction. All right. I like it from your lips to God's ears. Um, you said terrible predictions. Absolutely. I think I may have taken you too literally. Okay. Uh, so my first prediction is this. The Orioles will end the month of April with a winning record that puts them in a respectable third place before the wheels completely fall off the season. And this gives gullible Orioles fans false hope that in the 10th anniversary of the Buckle Up Birds, good things are coming. Many tears and many columns of ink will be spilled on this subject. Mass hysteria, cats and dogs living together. Uh, Jake, my next prediction is going to come back to, for the future standpoint, my prediction is that um, we will no longer think uh, about Mother's Day being the Mother's Day massacre. Instead, we will see Adley Rutschman on the Baltimore Orioles by Mother's Day, um, and he will actually hit his first home run on Mother's Day. It would be a dongs for mom. Dongs for mom. Um, Okay, I feel like I maybe didn't understand the assignment. When you said terror, okay. So here's my next. Here's my next. Dongs for prediction. mom isn't terrible. <laughs> uh, Dongs for mom is never prediction. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> my second prediction is that the new left field wall dimensions and height will hurt Orioles hitters worse than it hurts opponents hitters in a disproportionate way. And this will cause the loud segment of Orioles fans that are already against the wall and all those changes to increase their output of copy pasta. That is definitely a possibility. And we will see that predominantly on Facebook going forward. Um, and we'll see what happens. Um, my last prediction. I think an Oriole is going to win rookie of the year this year. In 2022. In 2022. This year. This year. This season. This season. With the players available within the system. Yes. The American League Rookie of the Year. Yes, the American League Rookie of the Year. <laughs> Not the International League Rookie of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I wanted to be clear that we're talking about the same thing. All right. Your, your prediction is that an Oriole wins Rookie of the Year. Somebody is going to win Rookie of the Year within the Orioles organization. At the major after, league level. After a full 162-game season. At, at, with a full 162-game season, pending any corona outbreaks and or other deadly viruses that Im Im impact the human race. <laughs> All right. <laughs> again, here's hoping. Also, again, I feel like I may have missed the mark here. But my, my final prediction, Scott, is one that's near and dear to my heart. I have to do it the 10th anniversary of the 2012 Baltimore Orioles in what is in just a few days, Scott, about to be the 10th anniversary of bird's eye view. I am going to predict that your Baltimore Orioles will lose 100 games this season. And you know what that means? They're, they're going to have 62 wins. That, that is the prediction. But the last time yes. that we on this program predicted a 100 loss season they did okay it was it was all right it was okay to watch for those of you who may not have heard that particular show uh 10 years ago uh scotty and i started the 2012 campaign thinking that the orioles were going to be weapons grade terrible i predicted boldly at the time 
that we would lose 100 games. And of course, they they went to the playoffs for the first time in 17 years or um, in 14 years. So, uh, yeah, here's here's me putting that out into the world. 100 lost season. You heard it here first, folks. The race for 62, everybody. Um, but yeah, like I said, we will see uh, how they do. You know, with the rookie of the year candidate out there for the Baltimore Orioles, they might break that aspect in terms of 100 losses. We'll see what happens. The American League rookie of the year. Yes, the American League Rookie of the Year. Uh-huh. Well, Jake, you had mentioned the aspect of you know us doing the show for a um, little over 10 years coming up very soon. This is going to be our 11th season. Um, and again, we started this right before opening day um, in, in 2012. Um, I thought it might be nice for us to kind of go back, think about opening day a little bit, about some of the some of the traditions, some of the, the, the activities that we have spent, um, and maybe get ourselves ready for next Monday uh, and talk a little bit about some of the camaraderie. So let's take a quick break, and we'll, we'll talk about that. So Jake, something magic happens. Every year you go, you make the magic happen. The magic of opening day baseball. There is nothing better than opening day. Opening day is a high holy day as far as I'm concerned. I have taken this day off every year that I possibly could, whether or not I was going to the ballpark. Uh, I just, I love everything about opening day. And clear, clearly, like you and I have a baseball problem, right? Oh, there's no and question. And We've been doing a podcast for 10 years. And and I get the fact that maybe we don't, maybe we're not highly representative of most O's fans, but just going to the ballpark, there's still that part of me that feels eight years old. Yep. And that feeling is just magnified on opening day. And the cool thing about opening day is that, you know, outside of 2012 to 2016, opening day was the only, only day that felt the way baseball was supposed to feel, right? Everybody's excited. The ballpark is buzzing with excitement. Everybody's in the right color. Hope springs eternal, high-fiving strangers, smiles all around, nobody's sad. Baseball. It's a day about joy. It's a day about hope. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. You can't beat opening day. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I consider it's like Christmas Day, basically, like you said, Jake. It's the standpoint of like even the night beforehand, you kind of, you know, have that tough time going to bed at night. You're kind of a little itchy and antsy. And even when you wake up that next morning, you're like, when can I start going to the ballpark? When would people not judge me for going to the ballpark at what time? Um, so, yeah, there's just a whole different ambiance and atmosphere to it. Um, and again, there's, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, Elias mentioned this comment, I think, today, where he said, we're going to enter into baseball for the first time in three years when it's basically kind of unrestricted. It'll be exactly like it was before. Like even last year for opening day, it was a standpoint of like we have reduced crowds still. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're still going to have reduced crowds on opening day. Um, <laughs> but there is a certain aspect of we've talked about this before in previous years of walking downtown, seeing everyone decked out in orange, um, you know, seeing just the aspect of the camaraderie, um, you know, like you said, everybody's in first place that day. Um, just sharing a few drinks uh, with fellow friends, 
Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a great tradition. It's a great fun. Um, it just there's just a lot of memories is the best way to put it um, in, in terms of it. So I guess my, my question, Jake, is what is this year's plan for you in regards to opening day? Well, I mean, we're going to try to keep as many of the traditions as we can, right? And so a tradition that I started a few years ago at this point was that my opening day begins with the baseball beer. And the baseball beer, uh, for anybody that, that is new to the program, is I hold one beer aside at the last day of the season, stick it in the back of my fridge, ignore it for an entire year, and crack that sucker open right before I head down to the ballpark or wherever I'm going on the first day of the season. It is my baseball beer. All right. So if I can, can I make a prediction of what this beer is? Mm, please do. A Michelob Ultra. It is not a Michelob Ultra. All right. So the next one I'm going to go with is just going to be a classic loose cannon. It is a classic loose cannon. All right. This is the first year that I've got like a nice beer. Cause usually if it's going to sit around for six months, it has to be, you know, a light beer that can only be ruined by so much. Uh, but yeah, this year, this year it's going to be a, a loose cannon. Maybe I should reach out to heavy seas and ask them, uh, if it will still be good. I'm sure it'll be perfectly fine. Amber bottle, not a green bottle. Um, I, I've, like I said, I've had various. Oh, this is a can. I was can you'd be fine even but you're even better then because again if it was a bottle you might have cap sealage issues but can that would last years is the best way to put it look at you all authoritative tone i'm sorry do you have a food science background i have no food science background i have no knowledge of this whatsoever um <laughs> but yeah like i said uh i'll i'll be eagerly listen, waiting to hear uh how the how your baseball beer turns out this year as you're drinking it at uh what do you think nine o'clock in the morning uh sure sure i'll wait that long yeah uh next is uh is brunch right and and you and i have done brunch uh together for quite a few years now down at the iron rooster yes uh, i'm looking forward to that i don't know if we've actually got reservations yet but i would be eager to get myself some uh some cocktails and some 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 breakfast to go along with it they have been great to us over the last several years and from there, I got to be honest. Uh, I'm not really sure what the day is going to look like. I'd like to to find some some place to be downtown. I don't really know that I want to do you know pickles and sliders and the whole business. I might try Federal Hill or something of that nature just to be of the people. You know, yeah. I, I want to feel the buzz off the beaten path a little bit. Want to want to see the hubbub without necessarily you know being pressed upon by the crowds. But yeah, uh, and then the one thing that I'm going to insist on this year that I've been pretty lax on in previous years is being in my seat for the opening day festivities. I, I, I feel like I haven't for, for several years now been there at the ballpark to watch people come down the orange carpet, to see the presentations, to, to take all that in. I'd really like to make that a priority this year. So I'm assuming Rob Long does that intro once again this year. Sure. We'll see. We'll see who it is. Hey, but- maybe they'll bring back Jim Hunter. If Jim Hunter walks onto the field and does the intro, um, I may just streak across the field at that point just to end it as quick as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, I'm, I'm very excited. Let me ask you, you, you mentioned it's like the day before Christmas, right? What about opening days past ghost of opening days past? What are some of your favorite 
memories from from opening days uh previous to this um i mean i think back to 2014 with that nelson cruz home run um i think that was a fun fun experience i i think it's just more the aspect of the consistency of it it's just the standpoint of like it's almost the same game every single year around it um and there's just a feel for it um so you get to meet up with people that you haven't seen during the entire winter again um like i said it's just you get to be in your element is the best way to put it. So, and that's different than any other game um, throughout the rest of the season where, you know, kicking it off, it's not the marathon the entire season is. Um, so I don't know sure if I have a specific aspect of it. It's more just the ambiance of the allure, um, almost like the Christmas season, as it were. Like, I can't think of a Christmas day that I specifically remember. It's more of the ambiance and the allure and the sensory memory that comes with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. For me, one of my favorite, one of my, one of the things that makes me uh, giggle with glee about opening day is that I used to have a job when I was working in D.C. I used to have a job where uh, I had to work closely with hotels, and one of the hotels that I, I worked with was the Sheraton, and so I got on the list of people that the Sheraton would invite to opening day in their second suite, not the nice suite they've got, but their like auxiliary suite, which at the time was like almost all the way down right field. Um, but the deal was, is that you got, I think it was four tickets to the ball game and you got to go to the Sheraton before the ball game for an all you can eat open bar ballpark fair event. Right. So beer, wine, you know, burgers and hot dogs. Right. Super cool. Load up on, on beer and, and food, head over and, and watch the game. So I had this job for, for a little while and then, uh, change jobs came up to Baltimore. And so uh, that first year that I was gone, the person from the Sheridan called my cell phone and said, Hey, Oh, I'm so sorry. We forgot to put you on the list, but I just, I just added you back. Uh, I'll send you the tickets. I didn't feel like it was important for me to correct them to and, mention and, and be let, like, and hey, let them know that FYI, I was, no you know, like, this is no longer the case. Like you don't have to do that for me. Scotty, they they came to me like it would have been awkward. The universe was saying, let me gift you this because of all the, you know, ways that I screw you over all the other times. Let me gift you this one instance. So the next year rolls around and I haven't heard from them. And so I gave them a call. How rude. I mean, I I know I gave them a call and I said, hey, you know, I I have gone for the past, uh, I think it was three years, four years at this point. Uh, I haven't gotten my my invite in the mail. Uh, You know, is it possible to still get tickets? And she said, oh, yeah, of course, we'll we'll send it right out to you. So, again, I got I got the tickets. um, And the second year I tried that, uh, they were on to me. Yeah, they were just like, "Uh, we don't have a record of you on our system anymore. But that was that was a great like two year period of of going uh, to opening day uh, under pretty good auspices. Yes. Thanks thanks to the Sheraton. I still I look uh, I look with with fondness out to the right field line every year and just share a moment with uh, with my memories. The hotel of the Baltimore Orioles. That's true. That's true. So yeah, opening day uh, will be fantastic. And and the thing is is that look I've done it I've done it both ways. Either 
you know, take the day off and, and, you know, lucky enough to have seats to, to go to the ball game or take the day off, plant myself down on the couch and enjoy opening day, you know, with the people that I care about that make baseball fun. Uh, however it is that you're going to do opening day. I hope that it is just phenomenal because again, it's what we've been waiting for. Absolutely. And it sounds like Orioles Twitter is going to basically try to get together at the center field bar in the fifth inning. So folks, um, if you want to come up and, you know, hassle Ryan Blake for some $20 bills, uh, it's going to be the perfect opportunity to come up and hassle him for a bird's eye view. But come is up- it the bar or is it Legends Park? Oh, you're right. It's Legends Park. I keep thinking it's the bar because I'm an alcohol-induced drunk um, is the best way to put it. <laughs> um, and we've also done other kind of Twitter gatherings up there before. Uh, but yeah, Legends Park, actually. I'll take that back. It's Legends Park, fifth inning. Um, we'll be enter over there at that point, um, probably with a drink in our hands. Um and kind of come back through that basis. But, uh, yeah, um, good times. And like I said, come say hello. And like I said, uh, we'll try not to embarrass ourselves in front of you. Um, well, with that, in terms of talking about embarrassment, um, let's do one of our favorite segments. Let's go ahead and uh, talk a little good, some bad, and some ugly. All right, it's that time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started this week. Scotty, I refuse to look at what happened in spring training. I'm not going to do anything on the field. We'll save that for the next time we get together and do a show. We'll have actually something to talk about. Instead, my good for this week is the standings. We talked about it at the very top of the show, but hey, right now, as of this moment, the Orioles have not yet let us down. They've got every chance of being in first place for a whole day. Yeah, my good's just going to come to the fact that, you know, through most of this offseason, we weren't sure we were going to get to this point. You know, there was very little agreement in place between the Players Association and the ownership. Um, and for some time, I was just like, I'm not sure when it's going to happen. You know, I had predicted that it was probably going to last until May. Um, in terms of, you know, an agreement not being signed, um, because that's when certain, you know, regional broadcasting groups would have to basically be repaid by certain ownership groups. Um, so the fact that we are going to get baseball um, with a week, basically a week delay, um, with also some pretty terrible weather in Baltimore over the past week. Um, honestly, like, it's a small victory is the best way to put it. So that's my good is that, again, we're going to get baseball with some looking like pretty decent weather um, in the upcoming few weeks, um, we're going to, in essence, have somewhat of a return to normalcy, um, hoping that COVID, again, doesn't rear its ugly head um, with the recent strain information that's starting to come out. Um, but yeah, like I said, the good is we're returning back to some normalcy as it relates to baseball, um, even if that it accompanies a 100-loss season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my bad is that that sinking feeling, that... Not so fresh feeling. It's the feeling that accompanies looking at the starting rotation and thinking that the Orioles haven't done enough. They haven't done enough to mitigate the risk that the Orioles, you know, first wave that I talked about, you know, the Akins, the Creamers, et cetera, are going to falter. 
The Orioles haven't done enough to protect themselves from having to cobble together a rotation just to try to cover innings. Uh, it's a bummer. I wish that they had done a little bit more. You know, I can't say that I'm super excited about Jordan Lyles, but, you know, a second Jordan Lyles style signing certainly would have made me feel a lot better about just trying to cobble together the end of the, the rotation. Yeah, my bad is going to go to, you know, just the fact that there isn't anything from the future um, starting out an opening day. Um, you know, we, we talked about Adley Rutschman. You know, my whole hope in 2021 and kind of going through this all season was like, Adley's going to make the opening day roster. And the fact that we're seeing a bunch of other, we'll call it top 10 prospects, starting to make the opening day roster for other prospective teams it's just really depressing is the best way to put it. Um, and like I said, I know it's it's only for a small delay. Um, but like you said, Jake, there would have been something different about sitting there on opening day, um, watching Adley Rutschman run down the orange carpet. It would have hit a little bit differently is the best way to put it. So that's my bad for, for right now for Orioles baseball. All right. My ugly is going to go to a gentleman named Stephen Ruddy. Who? You may ask, is Stephen Ruddy? My question is, who does Stephen Ruddy think he is? Stephen Ruddy is a person that I am only aware of because of the Baltimore Sun. The Baltimore Sun allowed Mr. Ruddy to provide a guest uh, op-ed in the post or in the in the Sun on April seventh. And uh, what did he say that got me so riled up? What? hot button issue could he possibly have covered let me just tell you what mr stephen ruddy said his headline read i love the baltimore orioles but the team's cartoon cap has got to go okay that seems a bit harsh and i realize that the the paper usually chooses the headline it's not the author so i was willing to give him the chance but oh no oh he dug his own grave he goes in far too much detail about his wrong opinion about how there's something wrong with the Baltimore Orioles smiling bird logo. This is, this is just a, a clip of the op-ed. I'm going to read it to you. This is the heart of the problem. The Orioles lack a definitive cap. Do you even know what the current cap is? For the record, I was referring to the cartoon bird cap, the most common one in my lifetime. And the closest thing we have to an official cap. It comes down to this. I'm an adult. I shouldn't have to wear a cartoon bird on my head. Is it not possible to love one's team and also have dignity? Scott, I find this offensive on so many levels. First, let me tell you, as an Orioles fan, no, it is not possible to have dignity. I have tried and I have failed. Get used to it. Second, if you are wearing the team paraphernalia, no, it is impossible to have dignity. Baltimore Orioles fans are like Major League Baseball fans in the fact that they wear clothes with other people's names on them. Can you think of any other profession where it's appropriate for people who appreciate them to wear their work uniform? Come on now. And going after the bird cap, that's just it's just low. The Orioles made so many poor decisions during the Dark Ages, but all the little tweaks they made to the uniforms were pretty crappy until 2009, except for the bird. 
The bird was the last thing that was missing. And in 2012, they finally managed to do something right. And what did it bring? What brought it? But the winds, the winds of the buckle up birds. So, Mr. Stephen Ruddy, I hate to tell you, but your, uh, your opinion is terrible. And it's not just terrible. It's got to go. Mr. Stephen Ruddy, you are this week's ugly. So, Jake, I, I, I rarely do this, but um, I'm going to pull an Orioles and Pirates. I'm going to indicate that I have no pitchers. Uh, I am going to indicate that I have uh, nothing left to give at this given moment. Uh, so I'm going to forfeit my ugly uh, and basically hand you this win at this moment, okay? Because uh, I'm just going to go into the regular season, just forget that spring training even occurred here um, at this given moment, and just, you know, bow my cap to you, smiling bird and all, um, over the gracious words that you just betrothed on all of us. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and I'll, I'll roll us into blowing the save. All right, Jake, so you had mentioned it earlier. We are old. We are, are we indeed? We are extremely old. Um, as you mentioned, we are now in our 10th year of doing this. 2022 will be our 11th season. And, um, you know, when we get to the beginning of any season, uh, it's a long tendency of mine to basically go back and listen to episode one of Bird's Eye View. Ooh, Just on purpose. To- just on purpose, just to get a feel for it. And I've been thinking about it recently, you know, coming up on this aspect of our 10th year and how long we have been doing this. And I think to myself of, and I'm looking directly at the board that we use to record this podcast. And I think to myself, some of the parts that we have on this board were purchased at a Radio Shack. And we are still currently using those parts, having been purchased from a Radio Shack. And I question to myself, is any podcast currently going on the air at this moment still using parts from Radio Shack? And my guess would be there is no chance, except for Bird's Eye View. Um, look, it has been an absolute pleasure doing this for the past 10 years. Jake, um, I wasn't sure what this was going to be transpired into, but it has certainly been one of the better decisions of my life. It's given me a greater confidence to talk uh, and, and gain the gift of gab. Um, that you so easily do is the best way to put it. Um, but again, I, I have to come back and say, as the elder statesman of uh, of Orioles podcast, that there are so many great podcasts out there that you should be listening to as well. One of those aspects as an elderly statesman standpoints would be the Baltimoreans, who are now back once again. Um, they have promised us a nickname audit. Um, it will be required listening for all of you. If you do not listen to it, you will not understand the comments and nicknames that we will be using throughout the rest of the season. So please, when we retreat it onto Twitter, please go immediately to it. You know, drop your children in the streets, go put on your headphones, and go listen. For the sanctity of Birdland and for the sanctity of our country, do so. But also, be cognizant of other more new podcasts that are out there. Um, you know, the Locked on Orioles podcast. Uh, but also The Verge, which I think is actually one of the best podcasts out there right now for for Orioles content. Again, we keep talking about the future. Um, and again, this is going to be a great transition year to see how that future eventually comes up 
and rises to the top. I think it's going to be really interesting um, to see how The Verge captures that and almost coronates some of those individuals that are going to be leaving the minor league systems and entering into the major league system and how they go about tracking them going forward. So, again, there is a ton of great Orioles content out there. Um, We are not the only ones. I'm sure you know that. Um, But we appreciate you and those of you who have been listening for years upon years um, that continue to turn into the show and waste hours of your life on a weekly basis with us. So thank you. No, Scotty, I mean, well said. Uh, First of all, I love doing this with you. It it is truly the highlight of my week every week. Um, But what you said about... That's sad. That's really sad. But what you said about the other shows that are are out there is so true. One of the things that's been so exciting about doing this show for, for so long is the ability to come into contact with other content creators, whether they be bloggers or podcasters or what have you, people that are passionate about the same thing that we are, people that are, are creative, um, you know, people that are, are really entertaining. Um, and it makes baseball season more fun. You know, these are the people that we interact with on, on social media. Um, but the fact that we fans have the opportunity to basically get an, an unending amount of, you know, free content. And so much of it is so good. There's so much good content out there. I would really encourage anybody that, that listens to this show to go out and get a feel for what else is out there in the, in the bird sphere. Um, it's something that, you know, we found community doing, uh, doing this show and that community is out there and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, great communities out there. And again, some of those newer podcasts, just like The Verge, are also looking for kind of sponsorships aspects out there from a Patreon standpoint. Yeah, that's something that we here at Birds of View have not chosen to do in the past. But again, um, for a starting podcast, I can tell you the costs are um, more than most people would think on a monthly basis and also just to purchase equipment. So please, if you like their content and you like that other content, if people are asking for support, Give them the support. If you feel like you're you're encouraging on that basis, do so. Um, they deserve it is the best way to put it. So um, I'm looking forward to continually interact with everybody on Orioles Twitter within the Orioles podcast sphere, as it were. Um, and as the kind of elder statesman of uh, Orioles podcast land, um, you know, I think we've got 10-5 rights now at this point. Um, <laughs> so we can't be traded. Um, so we're going to take full advantage of that going forward to not have 10-5 rights. Um so thanks, everybody, for uh, listening to us for 10 years. Um, we look forward to continuing to, um, you know, macerate your ears with our singing uh, through the rest of the year. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes, including the first, at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Where's our viewers available? Download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, and most importantly, Spotify. Spotify has blown up recently in terms of podcast subscriptions. So thanks everyone who's listening on Spotify. Uh, please, if you are on those platforms, please try to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, um, and it also encourages other people to listen for the first time um, and send them our way. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Snapchat. I, I think we've even got the ticks and the talks. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. 
And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.